listening to Loud on the Set with Kyle and James. I am Andy, the advocate for anime. And action! Alright, welcome back to the show. My name is Kyle. This is James. And today, James, what are we doing? Animation. Animation. So we're talking about animation in film, along in storied history here, but first... Before we go any further, we got something happening here. We got now. something going on. We have a special guest joining us today. Andy is here. Andy. What's going on, Andy? Oh my goodness, such fanfare. Hello. My name is Andy, and I am a huge advocate for animation. I heard that James is a non believer, <laughs> and I am here to proselytize, and I hope that you are with Whoa. me. So. Please enjoy this as we uh, embark on this adventure. That may be the most eloquent word ever spoken <laughs> on Loud on the Set with okay. Kyle and James we've, and Andy today. We've been upstaged within the first <laughs> minute of our own. Anyway, all right. Well, welcome, Andy. Uh, a little bit about the uh, the Get to Know You segment, or as James lovingly calls... The Why the Hell Should We Listen to You segment of the podcast. Why should we listen to you? What, uh, what about animation uh, uh, draws you in? Uh, well, I believe that whenever you're going to consume media, you willingly suspend disbelief. When I go into a theater, which I do not do, <laughs> if I sit down in Netflix and chill, if I do whatever, I am willingly suspending my disbelief that what I am seeing is actually happening. Uh, therefore, why should I care if it's drawn, if it's generated by a computer, or if it's an actual actor? Uh, I am there to watch the story and to be entertained, and it is equally as possible to be entertained with animation as it is any media that we're seeing. Right off the bat, a pretty solid point. <laughs> God, I, 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 got no, I got nothing You're outnumbered that. and outgunned, James! <laughs> oh, man, this, this feels like the Star Wars black. <laughs> um, excellent. Uh, and Andy, a little background on yourself. Uh, what do you do? Uh, I work in special events and volunteer management. Uh, I don't want to dive too deeply into that, but it's maybe that's part of why I love animation so much. It doesn't have real people that I have to engage with. I can, <laughs> I can look at something and it's a, it's a cartoon face. It's a, it's an ogre. It's a dragon teaching me moralistic <laughs> lessons about life. <laughs> an interesting deep thought. Yeah. Yes. Well, wonderful. Well, thank you for being here. Um, we're talking animation, and it's no secret on the podcast that in the past, James, you've had some things to say about animation, as have I. Yes. Um, maybe not the biggest fan. I tend to be a, a much larger fan myself. Uh, but I wanted to go over a little brief history of animation, because this is kind of fascinating, um, just to give the scope of what we're talking about. Because now when you say animation, you think of whatever Pixar is going to produce that's coming out, right? But the the history of animation is pretty fascinating. Dating back, catch, catch this out. This is cool. Catch, catch this, this out. out. Catch Check this out. out. <laughs> catch this, man. Check it out. <laughs> uh, 5,200-year-old pottery from Iran had a goat pictured in multiple frames eating off of a shrub. And this is widely regarded as the first foray into an animated set of images in history. Isn't that cool? I find that That's interesting, phenomenal. but I'm going to dispute you on that one because okay. a lot of people claim that the 
the cave paintings found that region yes. of France have moving images of animals and whatnot. There you yeah. go. But disputed the, factoid. Disputed factoid. But the pot, I can imagine, or the pottery, you might be able to spin it. So that oh, it, you could spin it. But I've, I'm in agreement with James on this that the cave paintings, from what I've read, the multiple layers of paint with the flickering of a fire <gasps> as you're telling a story you're able to, with one image, see movement and see that story. And that shows sort of... up again, that type of animation, uh, uh, in something that we um, get in 1824, which is the first invention of the handheld type of toy where you would uh, spin it around or it would have strings and you would twirl it, an image on one side, an image on the other, and as it spun, you would get the combined image. So the bird in the cage, um, as pictured in the film The Prestige, another Nolan film I'm sure that you've uh, seen and loved, James. Um, But we had some murals in Egypt that date back to 4,000 years ago, which is pretty Mm -hmm. amazing. We have these cave paintings, thousands of years old. Um, But when we really start to see the true animation come into effect or something that we can relate to present-day animation is in the um, middle 1800s. We have the invention of the zoetrope in 1834, which was a rotating cylinder that had slits cut in it with images so you could see a a certain thing happening on a repeating pattern. A galloping horse. A couple dancing. So the GIF is actually almost 200 (laughs) years old. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, exactly right. And uh, you can see that again in 1868 with the first uh, widely accepted invention of the flip book as well. Now this is fascinating because when I was in high school and middle school, I still have these to this day, but I used to make flip books out of just tons of those post-it notes. I would have eight packets stuck together, and I would make a saga (laughs) of a flip book. And I got in trouble one time with my uh, social studies history teacher because I was supposed to be doing a project, and I was making a flip book, and he came over and, and narked me out. But then I pointed out that my entire project was done, so I got to continue my flipbook. Was your flipbook thematically? It uh, was. was it connected to the class? No, it was not. It was, well, uh, I guess if space history meeting aliens was in any way connected to <laughs> my social studies experience, then yeah. Um, so flipbooks were great. I loved making animation when I was younger. I used to make stop motion claymation films, these flipbooks. In fact, when I was in second grade, I used a two liter bottle and I put little cards in the top in a slit that I cut, and I would pull them out one at a time to see a series of events happening on them. So I've been interested in this for a long time. (laughs) I don't know if I would. I don't know if I would publicly admit that. <laughs> I am an inventor, see? Like Thomas Edison, see? Um, but then oh when we start to actually see the animation like we, we have now, um, 1900, we have the Enchanted Drawing, which was a drawn picture on um, film stock. And then when we start to see it big time is in 1820, uh, 1928 with Disney Steamboat Willie, so the first Mickey uh, Mouse that was heavily produced around. 1937, we see it with the Snow White, first animated major film release. We get color cartoons in the 50s, um, but this was used in live-action pictures as well. We mentioned animation techniques in King Kong, Mm -hmm. making these giant monsters move. And then it all changes in 1995 when we get the first fully CGI movie, so we've passed all the hand-drawn animation, and that was, of course, Toy Story. After that, um, it was pretty prevalent that 
Um, the Academy was going to start recognizing these. So we get a Best Animated Feature category of the Oscars. And also, we've had three films that have been nominated for Best Picture that have been an animated in history as well. We have Beauty and the Beast in 1991. 2009, we had Up. And 2010, we had Toy Story 3 as well. So some widely regarded... Uh, acclaimed films in this medium as well. Pretty cool. And now in 2016, we get Angry Birds, the movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and it's all devolving. And it's and all too all easy. Out of control. Andy, is. you're going to have to bring, me, bring us back. Well, well Andy, I, you have a favorite uh, type of animated feature as well. I don't know if it's fair to call it a type when it's really just a studio. Right. And that is Studio <laughs> Ghibli, of course, Hayao Miyazaki's... Uh, Hayao Miyazaki's studio with it's it's unfair to look up the greatest animated videos or movies of all time and it's essentially his filmography with like a scattering of the Lion King or some <laughs> other like oh geez we can't give these all to Ghibli I guess we'll give you know toss one the Americans way um, but I think that yeah I do have a favorite and that is that uh, looking at the films as an outlet where you can examine complex social issues, where you can sort of simplify the lessons to a point where everyone is able to accept them and they're able to accept, well, it's just a character we're doing this to, is that okay? <laughs> and then continue that into the thought experiment as the person watching it later. If I see racism or sexism or homophobia in a movie, um, say I watch American History X, that's a very visceral experience. It certainly is. If I watch a, something with uh, sexism or, uh, for example, Spirited Away, it seems so much more innocent on first look. It's animated characters. They're flying around on dragons. But when you stop and think about it for a moment, those lessons are very clearly coming through. Especially for a, a larger audience that can appreciate them as well. Definitely for a larger audience as well. And makes those, uh, yes, makes them approachable. So Spirited Away, 2003 winner for the Best Animated Film Oscar. So it got its accolades. And uh, back in 1990 or 1907, um, the widely regarded the first um, Japanese animation, which would then later uh, bring us to the anime <coughs> genre um, that Ghibli is the... Uh, I would I would say the undisputed king of at undisputed this point. king the emperor above and away. <laughs> so uh, uh, that was a brief history brief history of the animation genre itself. So the scope of this dates back thousands of years. We're talking about people animating things. So why does animation matter? Why why do we why is it so prevalent throughout history? Why why do we see this? Uh, I think for its accessibility, I think if you look at it historically, you're looking at the accessibility of those themes, that sort of Joseph Campbell's Hero with a Thousand Faces. If you watch a hundred different animated movies, you're seeing uh, those general themes that we see across the story of the Odyssey, the story of love lost or love regained. Uh, I, I think that that uh, story is eternal, and animation is something that allows us to tack on this unrestrained imagination and we can say do we want a forest-headed god that can <laughs> turn into an amoebic uh, death reigning creature yeah why not let's do it like let's get some storyboards and let's do it uh, I think similarly uh, and more so recently in recent history there's the 
economy of the resources that it takes, that with a dedicated team of two or three or five, uh, you can actually, most studios being much larger than that, but with a dedicated team of, of very small, you can make incredible stories and put them out. And, and, and I mean, in reality, some of them are just absolutely awful, and that's okay <laughs> because it's an outlet of these people's creativity, it's an outlet of their creative energy, and they've leveraged this medium to then take it to the larger scale to make it um, accessible. Interesting, wow. as we say here at Loud On Interesting. Interesting. Sheesh, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> Who so knew? Some, Who some, knew? Something Who I got? think is curious is language has been around forever, and then people started <clears throat> making pictures, drawing images, because, of course, we could draw before we could take photographs of the world we lived in. So it was an outlet for creativity. You could represent imaginary things in this way. But then when we see animation, if the picture speaks a thousand words, does an animated set of pictures help tell a different story? Can you do something with am animated pictures that you can't with just still images? Is, it, is, is the question, is it exponentially, is it exponentially more? Like, it with every frame, you become more dumbfounded? Of words. <laughs> is that comparing? Well, I mean, maybe, you know, maybe Bojack at 20, 22 minutes compared to Fantasia at an hour and a half. What is the impact? Um, oh, that's funny. I don't, I don't know if I would think that it's, you know, exponentially more impactful. I think what it is is that it can be as impactful mm -hmm. as a real person. So yeah. jumping back to that, advocating for animation as a, as a true and legitimate and varied and uh, deep art form. Interesting. Interesting. I love it. So there's some uh, there's some scope. James, do you have any comments? No. Um. I, Andy is <laughs> no. no. <laughs> Good podcast. No <laughs> research. I, I have, you know... You can I'm take a break here. if you want. You want five? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll outside, guys. Unbelievable. No, um, I'm, I'm, as everybody knows here, I'm not the biggest fan of the genre. But as I sit here listening to Andy and Kyle, mostly Andy. Mostly <laughs> the no, the, the, the commentary is spectacular. And I've been thinking of things. I'm, I'm taking notes as usually. As usually? As usually. Ooh. As I usually do. Hear it loud on the set. And Andy say big words. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have, I'm, I've been writing a couple of things down here that hopefully will work in at some point. You know? yeah. and, and one of them being, um, um, I noticed in, in the history rundown, Kyle you know, gave us a brief uh -huh. history of some of the milestones, and hopefully you guys can help me out here. Wasn't the movie Final Fantasy noteworthy for some reason? It was some like the first stab at making the most realistic version where the line was truly blurred between these are humans or these yeah. are CGI. Andy, help me out here. Final Fantasy, remember yeah, this? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I remember Final Fantasy, while I don't remember its plot or its characters or anything right, that yeah. closely, it was a big step in the direction of computer animation. So right. uh, Final Fantasy, Animatrix, uh, there was a few around those times yeah. where we were they were ditching that idea of like, oh, we're doing an animated computer graphics film. Well, it has to be... Uh, Shrek or whatever. I don't know, remember the Goofy, years it was. It has to be. It has to be yeah. an ovoid, you know, with yes. your, like mm -hmm. like animated uh, clip art, you know. It, <laughs> and so it it was one of those big transitional moments, mm -hmm. and I think one of the most impactful parts. And somebody will call in and correct me and shame me, and it'll be Josh, who you've had <laughs> as a guest several times. Yeah. Uh, I think that one of the things that it did was it actually took that animated 
device and told a very adult story. There you go. And while historically that's been very true, that's been true through time, in American culture, cartoons are for kids. Uh, I think when people uh, think animated, they think of one of two things. They think of the Pixars, they think of the Toy Stories, they think of the Lion Kings, they think of the uh, rainy, raining meatballs, cloudy, <laughs> cloudy with a chance whatever, of meatballs, garbage. And, whatever it is, and I would absolutely agree it's garbage, or they think of the like hentai manga kid in their bedroom watching hundreds of hours of um, like otaku and never seeing the light of day and masturbating to very, very, very strange pornography. I was wondering if you were going to say it. My God. <laughs> uh, yeah, there I are am. definitely stigmas and stereotypes. There certainly are. And, and as a big fan, it's one of those things where you learn that when you say, I like animated stuff, but I'm not a weirdo. I'm not a weirdo. <laughs> the animation. fact that we have to qualify it is kind of sad um well let me piggyback this okay because andy name dropped he name dropped a lot of stuff he already, certainly did but he name dropped the animatrix while discussing final fantasy and that transition towards mm -hmm. adult themes mm -hmm. i like the animatrix excellent Ooh, yeah. we Ooh. got him on one it's really good yeah. <laughs> like good. that that makes one movie and one series of the matrix saga <laughs> that are okay <laughs> yeah well, yeah, well, I'll, later on in the episode, I'll reveal one vulnerability. How okay, that? I'll, all right. I'll tease that one that out I'll good. drop one that, but well, continue the conversation. Well, I think that this is actually a great segue into something we wanted to talk about as sure. well, which is blending that line between what is animated and what is not animated. Right. Um, and sort of, as, as Kyle and James and I sat before this, we chatted a little, and the question was, what does animation mean? Wait, we did preparation for the podcast? Oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> did I, Unbelievable. Did I admit that to you guys? Unbelievable. Um, <laughs> we never do that. We would never do that. And so my, my question that goes out to both, uh, both to Kyle as an advocate and a, and a lover of animation, and to James as somebody who is publicly and vocally opposed, <laughs> although we'll get him, where where is that line? What is the line between an animated film and a non-animated film? So I have a starting point for this um, because most of the things we've talked about uh, on Loud on the set that James has expressed disdain for that have been animated have been the 3D exploitation <clears throat> animation. So as this, as you mentioned before, became an easier medium for people to get into um, when it started to become accessible at a very low cost then we started to see the garbage pile on. Um, before that, these things were such a labor of love that if you didn't enjoy it and you didn't invest and people didn't believe in what you were doing, it did not happen unless you were Walt Disney and you had a gajillion dollars. So the things like the Wallace and Gromit films, if you're going to animate every frame and move that little... Uh, clay dummy around and go through six years to make 15 minutes of footage mm -hmm. then you must have loved it and put real dedication and thought into why you wanted to tell that story and that's where we see the quality come out as it got abused as it became easier we get the garbage piled on it and now we have live action films for instance any marvel film you could think of where half the stuff on screen probably more at any given time is computer animated even if they have a character who's standing in, he ends up being probably swapped out for something that's animated. So where is the line? And James is a lover of Marvel. 
and going on this conversation. What do you think? Well, that's the ultimate vault. That's the that's the weak point in any of my arguments on <laughs> not like Marvel. Oh, James, did you like did you like Winter Soldier? You remember that scene where he did this, that, that, and the other thing? You thought that was a fucking real guy? You, know, like, you didn't think that was the nerd who grew up on his computer and then now yeah. makes a billion dollars animating every keyframe? Yeah, it blows a huge <laughs> hole in my argument, and it it. I it, use the word nerd lovingly, by yeah. the way. It forces one like myself to confront the fact that you know what you don't you may not even know it, but you like animated films, asshole. Like, you know, pretty sure you like Avengers. I'm pretty sure you're gonna like Batman, Superman. It's gonna be a good fraction of that movie or those movies are and will be animated. And sometimes well, and it is garbage. Like when you try to animate the little minnow from Jurassic World, yeah, and it garbage. looks terrible. Yeah. You used your tool incorrectly. I think there's also a great opportunity to look at movies that intentionally try to use practical effects like Mad Max Fury Road that came out this year. All mm -hmm. of the Mad Maxes, which are phenomenal, but Mad Max Fury Road very intentionally used uh, uh, practical effects to carry the story or to carry the, the uh, emotional, visceral experience that that story is, but they polished it. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, I think... Everybody sort of agrees, yes, great movies include a lot of animation, but I will, I will reiterate the question because I don't think anybody answered. <laughs> uh, what, wh where do you think the line might be? Like for, and, and maybe I can provide some examples. I think that the Transformers movies are animated movies. I do as well. Uh, I think that... Even the cartoon one from the 80s? <laughs> Just kidding. No. The best one, the best and only. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, I think that Star Wars, or at least the last what six that have come out however many there are now uh, I think between the prequels which I know many consider to be the unspoken and and the seventh movie uh, those to me are animated movies yes there is a real person's face in there somewhere mm -hmm. but where does it begin and where does it end uh, Lord of the Rings another example and it's not all just epic high fantasy movies either but yeah and I think that. I think what ends up happening is um, and the good directors know where the restraint is they know that real emotions from real people in their story <laughs> they're trying to tell should be their focus if they're making a live action picture if they want to do something that they can't do with real people and real the, the real world around us, then they look to animation. For instance, scenes in Mad Max. I'm sure that they thought to themselves, can we present this with our stunt drivers and our stunt team? Can we blow something up and make it look cool? Absolutely. Can we make a swirling inferno of sand and hellfire from mm -hmm. the world beyond because the atmosphere is destroyed by our carbon pollution? No, we can't really just go out and find that somewhere. <laughs> so what did they use? They used their animation tool and provided something that you could have only dreamed of in that situation and used it very effectively. I think when you cross the line, or where you should be crossing the line, is when you're trying to tell a story in a surreal manner. When you're trying to present something that you can't present on screen, that's where animation comes in. And that's where the animated film should shine. When it becomes a mistake is when most everything in your film is animated more so than not. Okay, so if I may ask a question yes. to that. Uh, and this is going to go back to, uh, to Hayao Miyazaki. But 
Princess Mononoke. <laughs> mm -hmm. Nothing that's presented in that until the very end when you've got some very, very, you know, epic battles of multiple gods going on. Nothing is absolutely impractical to create in the natural right. world. Um, but also the medium itself is a decision of the director. Mm -hmm. uh, Hayao Miyazaki could direct live action movies, mm -hmm. but that is a choice that they are making. And this is maybe skipping it up a step or two to looking at it from the artistic perspective. Does Quentin Tarantino need to blow everybody's fucking head off in every <laughs> fucking movie? No, he doesn't have to, and they'd probably be better if he didn't. But, I almost said the exact same thing on another podcast, so okay. I'm happy okay. that you well, feel there. that way. Because it's very true. Tarantino, listen up. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're listening, Tarantino. <laughs> you are, I know it. Um, He's outside right but, now. <laughs> but it's his artistic uh, decision, so mm -hmm. do I like that? No, I just don't end up watching Tarantino movies, because I don't need to see people getting their heads blown off. I watch animated movies where people get their heads blown <laughs> up instead. It's uh. yeah, it's interesting the the medium, like you said, and Miyazaki's style and the anime style. There's a reason that people gravitate towards that. They want to make those kind of pictures, and I think a lot of it comes from the fact that what's going through their mind gets channeled out of their pen so well. So then the medium is a reflection of. Uh, just the artistic soul of the person. It's the Van Gogh. It's uh, it's the Monet painting. It's however they want to present that, they're presenting it. Um, and that beautiful Ghibli style that we know and love um, and see could only be done by him. And that's unique to that person when anybody now can go out with a camera who knows uh, how to look up a YouTube video about Adobe After Effects and throw in some gunshots on their epic student film and do whatever they mm -hmm. want, you know? So it's it's very personal uh, when you're talking about animation. And of course, you've got lots of people working on your team and you can train them, but it comes down to the personal decisions. And uh, Miyazaki himself working on like 75% of all of his films, like drawing most of the panels and everything is, is pretty amazing. What do you think, James? Well, Andy made some excellent points earlier, and that is... And I didn't. No. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, at least you're self-aware. Andy wants me to answer the question, yes. animated or not. His points, I'm looking at his list right here, about Transformers, <laughs> about The Matrix, about Star Wars, about Avatar being animated movies. You know, that's... I. What a great point. You, I can't deny it. It's, I think the, the line is drawn... Especially Avatar. Yeah, the line is drawn... Ha, pun intended. Um, when, <laughs> when the animation, whether it's computer animated or, or hand-drawn, whatever it added to the screen, becomes more or less the main attraction of the movie, then you've stumbled into that turf of, all right, you're an animated movie now. Like, sorry. Um, the Revenant, for example, like Kyle and I recently saw. The CGI or the animated parts of it are um, limited at best, right? And, mm -hmm. and used only sparingly. Um, I guess that's what limited at best means. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Fuck. Um, so you don't, you wouldn't look at the Revenant and say, ah, oh, it's a fucking animated movie. But you know what? Transformers, um, Star Wars, these movies, they can't exist. You can't even create the world that they want to express anymore without the animation. Welcome to the like, welcome to that category. You know, like, so it's not a, it's not a like one or the other. It's not a line drawn, if you will. 
uh, there's a gradient there, and you know while you're watching it, like, all right, Transformers, this movie doesn't happen, the vision that the director has for it doesn't happen without animation, and the end, end in conjunction with that, the, if using the animation too much as a crutch puts you in that category, or at least shifts you over into that direction, and if your live action component and your actors and actresses are, are such garbage <laughs> that it doesn't matter who the fuck they are, I'm looking at you, Shay LaBeouf, <laughs> then yeah, you, you shove yourself even further in that direction, no? Transformers. So it's parts of that agree. And, Worst and I think, animated film ever. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of ah, a lot Jam. of terrible movies in the running for that, but I wouldn't I wouldn't. Transformers isn't far from the bottom. Yeah. I think I think the key that we come up with, uh, or what I heard consistently across all of us waffling around the question, <laughs> is that it's a very broad and very gray line. It's hard. There's no line. <laughs> There is no line. <laughs> there is. Was that spoon real or not? <laughs> There's the question to Neo. There is no spoon. All right, what do we got next? So we just <clears throat> talked about some crappy animated films. We've mentioned crappy films before. Let's talk real quick highs and lows of the, the animation genre. So, Andy, what are some of your favorite animated films, some of your most hated animated films you would destroy out of the genre forever. If I could destroy out of the genre forever. <laughs> you could go find the work print and just destroy it. <laughs> or the template. Well, yeah. I mean, I, was, I, I swear we're not on commission from, from Miyazaki here. But I'd love it's, to be. It's, yeah, <laughs> but we are accepting offers. Um, so if I was going to say, like, along the lines of my favorite sort of epic storyline, I would go back to something like Princess Mononoke, uh, and and I was very compelled by this idea that there is no right answer. That at the beginning of the film, you are told uh, that the young prince is going, he is on a noble and holy quest, and he is going to save himself. And as you go on that adventure with him, you see that everyone is acting in their best interests, and by extension, they are making compromises with themselves and with the community around them and the environment around them. And they are right. Uh, whether you end up siding with them or with Lady Eboshi or whoever, it doesn't really matter. The point is that you can look at it from a slightly larger perspective uh, and see more, more options than, than, you know, it's not this one-track mind. Uh, if I was going to go down, like, a surreal path, <laughs> oh, my goodness, Paprika. Like, it's one of the best movies I've ever seen, and I still only understand about half of the storyline, <laughs> but it is visually and uh, compelling. It's got a marvelous, from what I understand, storyline, and <laughs> it keeps you on the edge of your seat the whole time. Um, in the world of like animated and going back to, or excuse me, uh, like claymation and stop motion, yeah, uh, going back to being a kid, like the Nightmare Before Christmas, like oh my. God, Labor what is this thing? This is so <laughs> cool. And the imagination of the director coming through in such a vivid uh, a vivid environment and being totally separated from what you normally see. It's not a normal person walking around. It's uh, a skeleton whose skull can roll down his arm and roll back <laughs> up while staying in tune with the rest of the skeletons. And it doesn't look out of place because everything exists in the same world that it's in. Right, it's it's not a live-action person who takes off their skeleton head and they 
slotted in. You know, we don't have that technology. Things will look out of place sometimes in that regard. Right. So it, it's it's in the world that it's in, which is awesome. Yeah. And then last but certainly not least, uh, Watership Down. Oh. For those of you that made the mistake like me of See watching that. it as a child. Don't. <laughs> don't watch it as a child. You think it's going to be a fun story about little rabbits. You love rabbits. <laughs> Things go fucking zero to a hundred <laughs> real quick, um, and as a kid, it was a continuation there. Like I, I love rabbits. I want to see talking rabbits. I wish my mm -hmm. rabbit could talk to me. Um, <laughs> I didn't have a rabbit. I cried a lot as a child. Um, <laughs> in the in the end in the low end, uh, I don't know if there's like one movie or there's one. So many. I would I would eliminate. I think it would be more just the the dime a dozen uh the shit that's made where it's like oh you've got a, a female protagonist with fucking 34 triple g tits and wears <laughs> mini skirts and she can't figure everything out she can't figure her magic out but this sultry tall stranger can help her and it's just like if you want to fucking watch porn just go watch porn like <laughs> Nobody's going to judge you for it. I mean, I'm not going to judge you for Andy it. Andy will anyway. not judge you for it. <laughs> but, you know, if you're going to take the time to make this shit, make it good. Right. Um, and I feel the same about most of the shit that comes out for the kids in America, too. Like, what? okay, so you just created this thing so that it will be a vessel for this sales pitch. So it will be a mm -hmm. vessel for this merchandise deal. Well, fuck you. I want the <laughs> yeah. story. I want the compelling... Uh, uh, characters that I leave continuing to wonder about their well-being or or frustrated at them, like why the hell did you do that? Why you know, get invested in them. Um, so what do I want to see ditched? Like shitty art. <laughs> um, <laughs> there you go. In short, I suppose. I think that that can kind of be summed <clears throat> up in the early DreamWorks category oh. when DreamWorks was scrambling to catch up with the 3D animation conglomerate that was Pixar. Pixar had more time, more money, more resources. They could do what everybody in the animation community was doing up to that point to make their films good, which was understand how grueling and horrible the experience was going to be for everybody, but they loved it, so they put all their effort into it, and then everybody else was left playing catch-up, and we got all of the movies that you've mentioned that you Madagascar, hated. Madagascar, Madagascar, <laughs> the penguins. And... Or oh, when, you, when you watch them and you see the same uh, cut footage like from season to season yes. or from... In sequels, you see the same mm -hmm. kind of footage. It's oh, like, geez. oh, jeez. Yeah. Okay, so James, I'm curious. Give okay. us uh, some some highlights and some lowlights. Well, I won't go lowlights because that, <coughs> We've that list that. is endless. Andy, Andy for, <laughs> he couldn't even, he had to just sort of lump them into like, oh, everything lately. Okay, you know, some like, highlights. So I'll, I'll admit a couple of ones that snuck through. My Excellent. Filter. All right. <laughs> uh, I probably mentioned this on the podcast before, and I'm going lowbrow. I haven't dabbled in, in these great arts that Andy's mentioned. But Mulan. Kyle, yeah. I think I surprised you guys with that one. That was the last... <laughs> I know. Yeah, you laughed. You laughed. I love that movie. Um, and the soundtrack, right, Kyle? Yeah. Anyway, uh, that, why do I mention it? One, because I liked it. Two, I have an emotional attachment to it. I worked in a movie theater when it came out. Three, it was the last Disney movie I've seen. Let's get down to business to defeat <laughs> the Huns. This is very uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Um, let's see, let's see, let's see. Where's what? 
Oh, you know, um, all right, Mulan was the last Disney animated movie I saw, right? Okay. The last animated movie I saw, period, that had that sort of hand-drawn look. Mm -hmm. Because I have seen Star Wars and mm -hmm. all that shit, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so the last one that I saw that at least had the hand-drawn look, even though it wasn't hand-drawn, was the Simpsons movie. Yeah, oh, interesting. All right? Probably CG, right? Probably all generated on computers, but it has the, you know, classic Simpsons yeah. look. All right, fellas. Well, no, here's my masterpiece. The oh, masterpiece okay. one, before I, I go the vulnerable route. Okay. The guilty <laughs> pleasure. The, the unbelievable that I'm going to admit this. Unbelievable that I admit some of this okay. shit. Okay. The masterpiece. The masterpiece, in my opinion, um, going back to the hand-drawn style, because I do like that. I, I do have an mm -hmm. appreciation. I've seen the behind the scenes of how Snow White was made and and, uh, mm -hmm. and Sleeping Beauty and, and the flipping and the, all that shit. It's great. The creation of cells. Yes. Crazy. But my masterpiece is Charlie Brown Christmas. Ah. Uh, uh -huh. Nostalgia alert. Yeah. <laughs> What a beautiful, 22 minutes of just, oh, what a beautiful film. And finally, <laughs> I'm going to admit something here, oh, Kyle boy. Andy. I'm going to admit something. Oh, boy. Oh, the things I admit on my own show, like, as if I'm being, there's no gun to my head. <laughs> as much as I hate to admit it, the first, what is it, like 10 minutes of Up? Oh, that's tough, Come man. Come on, man. Whew. It's good. I think Nominated I, Best Picture. The rest I, of the movie, it, it was a, it I can was, do without it. It was but. a tearjerker those first ten minutes. Mm. Well, however long it was, right? You, yeah, you get whatever. What the saying, opening sequence, yeah. yeah. I, I absolutely agree with that. And mm -hmm. the whatever the next 90 minutes were just garbage. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'm not a total sissy. You're not. No, no, Thanks, that guys. was very, very good. That was hard. Kyle? That was hard to get through. Um, uh... As you've mentioned before, and as I've said already, as things became easier, things became bad. Um, when they had to work at it, it was much more evident. Um, I saw a film, best animated film of last year. Um, I didn't see the one that won, honestly. Um, I can't remember what it was. Probably Pixar or something. Um, th and this is going to sound crazy, but uh, Sean the Sheep, the movie... <laughs> this is an animated series um, heard about out this. of the United Kingdom, um, and the it, it's for kids. I mean, it's an animated thing for kids, um, but it's the minds behind all the Wallace and Gromit films. Wallace and Gromit, Curse of the Were-Rabbit, if we can go back to Rabbits, won Best Animated Feature when it came out. <laughs> but this film had no dialogue in it. It was the funniest movie I've seen in probably the past 10 years, and... It just goes to show you in the dedication of just moving these little things around, the thought that goes into it, and when people are really putting all of their effort into telling a really good story, to telling really good jokes, that you can elicit this from a medium that a lot of people would overlook at first glance. Um, I loved that movie. It's one of my new favorite uh, animated films. Um, Coraline. Another yes. another favorite <laughs> film. Henry Selleck, the director of Nightmare Before Christmas, who worked really closely with um, Tim Burton on that film, um, went on to make some of my favorite movies. Coraline, Box Trolls uh, just came out, Paranorman, all from that same studio. Really, really well-made, um, amazing movies. But Coraline is a standout in terms of the production design. Everything about it is so vibrant. And beautiful. The story is so complex. It's terrifying, terrifying at times. Oh my God. It brilliant. And I saw it in 3D, and it was the best use of 3D I think that I've seen since maybe Avatar or Jaws 3D. <laughs> <laughs> but it, when you put two, they use two cameras down, 
and they set them the width of the eye level to scale of the characters that they made. So then you can imagine when those pictures are presented on screen and you splice them together with the polarized glasses or whatever, <laughs> you are in, you are literally now transported into the scale of the world in three dimensions that they made it. And it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing to see in the theater. So those are some of my, uh, my top favorites of all time. A new yeah. film that came out this past year, I have not seen yet, but I've heard really good things about, was also nominated for Best Picture, Anomalisa. It was a Kickstarter-funded project, and it looks like one of the most beautiful um, hand-animated um, puppeteering kind of stop-motion films. And I cannot wait to see it. It looks really good. Sounds phenomenal. Can I chip in something here? Yes, because absolutely. I, you know, I've been taking notes on the fly here because mm-hmm. I, I didn't think I'd have anything to say in this podcast. It's a miracle I've talked at all. <laughs> You've had so much to say. Um, I mentioned that Charlie Brown Christmas is my masterpiece, right? Yes. Not, not my masterpiece, but it's... <laughs> I love it, but I have to Schultz's qualify that. I have to, I have to qualify that a little bit more. It's it's a short movie, so it's my short masterpiece. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna put something out there for your consideration, guys, okay. and for the, the listeners' consideration. This one blows them all away, in my opinion. Ooh, this is my top. Ooh, it's better biggest. than Transformers the movie. The biggest. Dumbo. Ah. Oh. Uh. That is some surreal business going on there. I love Dumbo, and it's almost a silent film as well. Almost. Very true. Almost. Beautiful movie. Very awesome. I love Dumbo. That's a vulnerability right That now. is a vulnerability. Is. We're learning so much. You guys much. don't like it because of the racist crows? I love it because <laughs> of the racist crows. I love watching old Disney because it's like, God yeah, damn, that was yeah. some old Disney shit. <laughs> oh, oh my God. The, uh, or the, what's the live the, action film with the uh, zippity-doo-dah, zippity-day? Oh, the CW? With the, I can't, the fire patch I shit? can't remember what it's called. It's like one of the... Uh, it's the fire patch. It's the fox and the something. No, it's, it's live action. It has little animated birdies and stuff. They made fun of it on Saturday. I should have looked it up ahead of time. We are well But it's some podcast. super racist uh, southern plantation life kind of stuff. And, mm. man, I, I bet they're burying that. The reason you haven't seen it is because it's buried with Walt Disney, yeah, yeah, if yeah, he's buried fun. or frozen. Wow. I don't know what's going on with that. Dumbo, incredible, and has one of those surreal, surreal out uh, little tangents with the the pink elephants. Oh like, my god! You're watching a kids movie, and then shit goes off the rails, and that's a trip time. That's <laughs> trip. Three minutes back to the regularly scheduled programming. Like, what the hell was that? <laughs> so here's here's something interesting. We'll we'll wrap it up here. Yeah, so. We've talked a lot about the philosophy of animation, the scope, the highs and lows. Um, I think it's safe to say that you can present things in this genre that you can't see elsewhere. You have a really signature stamp from artists on these films. If you look at a movie that the um, Aardman company that makes Wallace and Gromit, that they've made, you see their signature on it. You can see this with great directors and directors in live action films as well. Um, but this is a really personal medium. It takes a lot of thought. It takes so much hard work, um, or at least it used to before it was exploited. Um, And I think that it presents some really wonderful gems uh, in the rough. And for instance, all of the Marvel films, even if they're CG now, they started out as comic books. And the comic book medium was a way of telling an animated story through these panels with artists that sit down and come up with their ideas, the Stan Lees of the world, and write them out there for us. So I think this is really amazing uh, medium that we have inside a film. I absolutely concur. I think I've been won over. 
Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, I, yes. I should Yay. see some of these movies. Okay, right? so finally, so. yes, let's do some recommendations for James. So let's do some right. some James recommendations. So if you, you probably some of give your favorites. Give me one each because I got yeah, one, one each for one James. Each. And James, you get to give us one too if you have one. Okay. If I was going to say just one, oh, that's a frustrating number, <laughs> um, I would end up going back to the master. I'd either say uh, Miyazaki's, uh, you know what I would say, because we haven't talked about it, and it's also wonderful, Howl's Moving Castle. Oh, yes. Um, Howl's Moving Castle, the Miyazaki film, it contains so many of the topics that we've talked about today. Uh, that willing suspense of disbelief. It's got an absurdist storyline. Uh, it's got complexities that you could not do or you, it would be very, very difficult to do uh, in a practical setting. Uh, and it blends those uh, areas of humor and, and sadness and love and can do all of that simultaneously, uh, much like I think any meaningful piece of art can do with you, uh, can do to a viewer. Um, Howl's Moving Castle or any Miyazaki, honestly. Interesting. And sidebar, um, Andy, when you watch these films, do you watch them with the English dubs over them, or do you listen to the Japanese with the subtitles? Uh, I'm a, I'm a subtitles, subtitles. Subtitles all the way. with the Japanese voices. Yeah, the original sound actors are always phenomenal, uh, and the cadence of the voice is so much more representative of how it was intended to be heard. Mm -hmm. um, usually what I'll do is if it's the first time I'm seeing something, I'll watch it with the subtitles uh, once or twice, and then I'll watch it with the dub and mm -hmm. see if there's something I was missing or, or for whatever reason, but very much more connected with the nat naturally intended language of that medium. I'm all about that with foreign language films, too. <coughs> the dub-overs are just ridiculous. Awesome. But I uh, sometimes I can appreciate it from this perspective, since it is something created on the screen, so you can you can get stuff out of it from, from both versions as well. And if I might add one little tangent to that, one little tangent. Uh, as animated films have become more respected, and as they have become more widely accepted yeah. uh, the quality of the voice actors Absolutely. has skyrocketed so if I was to go and see something today I may choose to see it in English first mm -hmm. but you're getting a list B list C list actors and not college kids in their bedrooms mm -hmm. you know reading off of a half translated script and now Ghibli has Disney money, so they're Disney. getting all the voice actors in there. <laughs> okay, and I would recommend to you, um, oh, what would I recommend? I would recommend something handcrafted since you picked something drawn. Mm -hmm. um, I would recommend, uh, I would say Coraline. If you haven't seen Coraline, I would seriously recommend Coraline. Um, the soundtrack is haunting and so unbelievable. The visuals are just amazing. And the story is something to be very respective it's it's like a good book you can chew on parts of it for a while so it's really cool yeah. interesting very cool well on that note that's all the time we have for today so andy thank you so much uh for presenting with us today we appreciate it greatly uh this has been a wonderful conversation yeah. we've we've twisted james to our side did you have anything you wanted us to watch no, that that's no. <laughs> well, maybe we can, here, here's what I'll leave you with. Okay. I, like just because I have no recommendations, your your taste and your, your you, the, what you've seen is you know far outstrips what I've seen. Um, a quick story to end the podcast. Yes, with. end it. Would you know that I, 
once in college, stood up a girl on a date. <laughs> who She invited me to the movies, and I originally said yes, but then I went back and it said no when my boys came up to me and said, yo, man, don't go out with her. Come see this movie with us. And I said, okay, and that movie was Space Jam. Yeah! What the fuck was I thinking? I stood up a girl on a date to watch Space Jam. And it sucked. Welcome man. to the Space Jam. Wow. We have... That is a nostalgia film oh, for the right. ages. I don't recommend Space Jam. I don't have recommendations for you guys. I Do apologize. you have recommendations for James and for us? Please send them in loud on the set at gmail.com. Check us out on YouTube and iTunes. Subscribe. Leave some likes. Uh, we're really, again, thankful that Andy was here today yep. to represent the animation medium. I'm happy that we made James a convert I today. think I think Andy probably represents what this movie podcast was always intended to be in Kyle's mind. <laughs> a thoughtful, mindful, highbrow conversation, multi-syllabic and all that shit. But you got me instead, buddy. The yin and the yang, my friend. Andy, we'll bring you back. Um, bring you thank back. you so much for joining us again. Yeah, it was a great pleasure, guys. On thank that you. note, go and see some great animated films. Let us know what you think. See you later. Adios. <laughs> <laughs>